Welcome to the Audiobook Speakeasy. I'm Rich Miller, and I'm your host here at the Speakeasy. This is where you'll meet narrators, coaches, engineers, and other audiobook professionals, as well as some listeners who'll be sharing what they look for in a good audiobook. If you're interested in audiobook production, you've come to the right place. So come on in, grab a drink, pull up a chair, and join us for a friendly chat about audiobooks. My guest tonight is a prolific narrator, a writer, a fellow podcaster, and briefly, a chef on a holiday baking show. Not only that, but she's the founder and driving force behind an audiobook production company, Blunder Woman Productions. Tanya Eby, thanks for joining me in the speakeasy tonight. Hey, thanks for making me sound important. <laughs> you are important. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm glad we could finally get this scheduled. We have had yes. uh, no shortage of problems trying to schedule yeah. this, this little chat here in the speakeasy from weather to work to all kinds of stuff. So I'm so glad yeah. we finally found a time when you could make it in. Me too. I'm a, I'm a lot of work, so thanks for being patient. <laughs> uh, I would not blame you for the weather. <laughs> uh, and I understand that it is now bad weather again. Yes. So we had ice storms, um, two in a row, and now and then we had 75-degree weather, and now we have another um, winter storm. Well, so. I'm sorry that I didn't hit it at the 75-degree point, but uh, hopefully... Well, this... I'm glad. I'm glad because I was outside. So <laughs> that worked out fine. Much nicer <laughs> to be outside in that kind of weather. Um, so hopefully the snowstorm won't give us any trouble here in the speakeasy. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, uh, well. so thanks for coming in. What are you drinking tonight? Okay. So tonight I'm drinking water. Okay. But it's because I went to a wine tasting last night. Ah, and um, I had enough. I had enough for the weekend. To I understand for a while. I there understand. Was like Two hundred different wines, and you could taste as much or as many or whatever you wanted. And um, I did. Please tell me you didn't hit all two hundred. Well, I tried. You know, I'm very <laughs> ambitious. <laughs> See, I'm scared. I, I keep thinking about going to the uh, the whiskey fest in San Francisco. Well, they, it's in various yeah. cities around the country at various times of the year. But I keep wanting to go. And last year, I was almost going to be out in the Bay Area right when it was happening. But I was kind of scared because I thought there are going to be all these places and you can and you can taste. And if I actually yeah. hit all of those booths, that's that's just not going to be pleasant afterwards. No. So. I can't I can't drink whiskey because I don't have enough hair on my chest. <laughs> so um yeah, what are you drinking tonight? Well, I am joining you with your water and there is no shame in drinking water in the speakeasy. We always have plenty of water and carbonated non-alcoholic drinks and other right. non-alcoholic drinks for anybody no matter what they want to drink. And That's in fact, true. I always have a water back here in in the speakeasy myself. Uh, but I am actually having a drink tonight in your honor. I don't know if you remember this, but a couple of months ago, maybe, th yeah. maybe three months ago, yeah. you, you tweeted something at one point. I think it was that you had <laughs> good news about something. And yes. you said afterwards, now I just need a martini that tastes like cake. And yes. so right away I, I responded, huh, uh, let's see. And so I, I put something together briefly. And ever since then, I've been thinking, you know what? I actually want to make one of those so that I can see if what I what I Did responded it? It would actually yeah. work. So I tried that today, and I have to admit, I really didn't like the result. Oh no! <laughs> but not to be not to be thrown off. I thought, 
well, what the hell? I'm just going to keep trying here. I got a couple hours before I'm going to talk to Tanya. So I actually did come up with a cake martini, which I actually think is not bad. I don't know that the recipe is done or if I'm going okay. to be able to finish it to where I really love it. Uh, yeah. But I do think it's pretty good. It's uh, Stoli Vanille vodka. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So you got a little bit of vanilla in there for, for your white cake. It's got some uh, Nirvana, which is a chocolate liqueur for your mm-hmm. uh, chocolate frosting. Mm-hmm. And and it's got some Chambord, which is a raspberry liqueur for a little raspberry filling inside your cake. That sounds amazing. And a tiny, I, tiny I love of... cocktails. They're, those are my favorite. <laughs> so, uh, so, and I, I threw in a little bit of lemon juice. I think that the next time I try this, I will actually put in more lemon juice. I think it might bring mm. out um, okay. a little bit more of the flavors because it's, for me, this is a really sweet cocktail. I, I tend yeah. to go for the the more boozy, not quite as sweet cocktails. And so for me, this is this is quite sweet, but I do think it's pretty good. And so I think I'm going to keep working on it. I don't know if I'll end up with something that I that I love eventually, but I think I'm going to keep working on it. Well, so, I'm sold. So yeah. thank you for your inspiration for the cake <laughs> martini. I will uh, I'll, I'll post it someplace with the with the um, ratios for the ingredients so you can try one Yay. yourself at some point. Thank you. All right. Well, Tanya, thanks so much for coming in. Cheers. <laughs> so, uh, so I know that with the weather that you've been having, you are in the northeasternish area. Uh, where are you from originally? I'm from uh, Traverse City, which is northern Michigan, but not the UP, not the uh, Upper Peninsula. Right. Um, so that's where I'm from. But I now live in Grand Rapids, and Grand Rapids is across the. Um, lake from Chicago. Oh. So I'm actually on the west side. So is it, I'm unfortunately not very familiar with the geography in that area. Are you really pretty close to Chicago? Well, across the lake, it would take like an hour and a half or two hours. Oh, but it's, it's far enough. uh, But you have to drive around. Like I can't cross the lake. Like there's a ferry you can get, but that's a lot of work. So Um, it takes about two and a half hours to get there. And you are a superwoman, but flying is really not in it for you, right? <laughs> no, I'm I'm good at being awkward and making mistakes and not uh, traveling. <laughs> Got it. All right. So it's not like you can just hop in the car and half an hour later you're going to be in Chicago. No, yeah. no. All right. So, uh, so you grew up then not terribly far from where you're living now. Right. But Did... I um, lived in Detroit for a while and I lived in New York and I lived in Miami, but I keep coming back to uh, Michigan. It kind of, it's in your blood and it just pulls you back. Got to be something there to love then. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I have some, um, some in-laws who are, mm-hmm. or part of the in-law, the extended in-law family is, uh, from Wisconsin. And so mm-hmm. we've, we've actually been to Racine and, um, Eagle Lake. I'm not sure how far that is from Racine. I don't really remember the trip too well. But uh, but anyway, I've been up that way. But I don't believe that I have ever been to um, Michigan. No, yeah, I, I take beautiful. That, I take mm-hmm. that back. I may have actually hit that on a um, Great Lakes cruise. Now that mm-hmm. I think about it. Um, I'll have to look that up. Like I said, I'm, I'm not all that familiar with the geography. Um, so you spent, you uh, just said that you spent time in New York. I didn't realize that you had lived in New York. I did. Uh-huh. In the city or uh, mm-hmm. or outside? I lived in Manhattan. Mm. Um, I moved there July 11th of 2001. Oh, my goodness. Was that, yeah. So was that when September 11th happened? Yeah. Yeah. So I was there for that, and I was actually working at Carnegie Hall. 
I had kind of a dream job that happened. It was really crazy how it happened. Um, well, what was that? And so um, I moved there in July and I tried to get a waitressing job. I was going to go to New York and be a famous writer. And so I sold everything and, you know, the $600, that's all I had. And because it was the middle of the summer, no one was hiring. So um, then I went to a temp agency and I was like, I worked in a music society and I have grant writing skills and fundraising. And they just kind of laughed me out. <laughs> and they said, "There's we have nothing for you. So I started to leave and I went to the elevators and then this lady came running down the hallway to come and get me. And she said, you're not going to believe this. Carnegie Hall just posted they want a temp and they want someone who has grant writing skills and has worked in a music society. Holy cow. So I went to the interview and they hired me full time uh, right after the interview. That's fantastic. So, yeah, it's kind of dreamy, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I lived there, um, but it was through September 11th, worst time in our history. And yeah. I just wasn't emotionally prepared for that. I had um, no friends or um, I wasn't dating anyone. I had no money. So the job was great and there were lots of opportunities and I loved that. But um, I just decided to come home and that I wanted to have a family. And that's what I did. So that was at that point you moved back to uh, Michigan? That's right. Mm -hmm. And you did the family thing. I did. Well, first I worked at Gilda's Club Grand Rapids and fundraising and uh, grant writing. What is and Gilda's then, Club? Um, it's a cancer support community because I wanted to give back um, and use my power of writing for good. So I did that for a while. So is that Gilda Radner? Uh-huh. Yeah. Ah, I, I'm, so there's I a lot of comedy with associated with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. I wasn't familiar with that name, but I know that there are um, things associated with her. So. Yeah, and so then I started to use kind of my my comedic skills in in terms of like building a pitch for fundraising, and um, I did that, and I taught writing, and I was working on my voiceovers, and then I um, well, wait got minute, married wait and wait had minute. kids. Let, 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 let's back up there. So you yeah. you taught writing. So if you taught writing, clearly mm -hmm. you had some experience with writing at that point. Sure. At that point, I had um, my bachelor's in English. Ah, um, and where's that from? And from Grand Valley University, which is in Allendale, Michigan, ah. not far from where I grew up. Got yeah. It. Okay. Well, that's yeah. great. So then you were teaching writing and you said voiceovers mm -hmm. too. So you had already started doing voiceover work at that point. Right. So I started voiceover work probably when I was in college. I think that was my, that was back, it was a long time ago. Mm. Yeah, we can leave it at that. <laughs> like, well, it was 1995. All like, right. you know, it wasn't so nearly it was, as long ago as it was for me. <laughs> yeah, but it was still, there were still cassettes happening. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I started doing commercial work then and um, always kind of kept my toes in it. Um, but I've always had like 10 different jobs. I find that really satisfying. You mean at the so. same time, doing a whole bunch of stuff at Pretty the much. same time? Yeah. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I find it really interesting how some people are so comfortable doing one thing, focusing on one thing. Yeah. And other yeah. people are like, are you kidding me? If I don't have 10 different types of things going on at the same time, I'm going to go crazy. Well, and I'm actually kind of a hybrid of those two things because all of the things that I do are part of one thing. Mm, okay. <laughs> Which right. is storytelling, but right. they're all, um, they all use different um, muscles, mm -hmm. brain muscles. Can you have more than one? Yeah. <laughs> they use different parts of my brain 
Um, so when I'm tired of uh, narrating and fatigued, then I can sit back and write and something else fires up. And um, when I'm, you know, producing or whatever, that's my business side. So, mm-hmm. yeah, all, but it's all part of one thing. All related to the same thing. But still, mm-hmm. some of those tasks are pretty disparate. And so uh, so that's great that that you feel more comfortable doing a whole lot of different things. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. So, uh, so you're back, and uh, okay. So now let's let's go back to the family thing. So you started the mm-hmm. family thing, mm-hmm. and uh, and I know that you've posted about at least one kid. How many kids do you have? I have twelve. Twelve no, I kids. Have two. <laughs> I have two twelve kids. kids. <laughs> really, in that amount of time? <laughs> yeah, I'm an overachiever. <laughs> <laughs> I have two kids. Two kids. Okay. Um, Lewis and Simone, and they are thirteen and fourteen. And they're awesome. Cool. That's, yeah. That's great. And so at 13 and 14, I assume that they are still with you there in the house. Yes, they are here now, and you may hear them walking. Okay. Because they're very, <laughs> very loud. Anyone who narrates knows the pain of loud walkers. Yep. And Absolutely. I don't know what bugs my kids are trying to kill by stomping on them, but it's <laughs> constant. So, <laughs> so is is that occasionally a problem with narrating? I'm I'm guessing that you do at least some of your narration in your home. Um. Yeah. I have. I'm in my home studio, which is in my finished basement, and it's a booth. Um. But you know, it's not iron. I mean, it's not ironclad. You can still hear some things. Sure. Yeah. But abs- yeah. Absolutely. So I'm in my basement, but they do hear me. And, and it's an upgrade. I used to record under the stairs in a closet, my Harry Potter studio. Ah, which many of us have had. That's great. Under the stairs in the um, closet. Absolutely. Harry yes, Potter. <laughs> yes. Um, and so I'm yelling a lot less now, but I do have to occasionally open the door and then just tell someone to, you know, stop walking or breathing so loud. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I completely understand. After I built my booth last year, I thought, oh, my troubles are solved. No, I didn't really think that. But um, but it has certainly helped a great deal with the problems I was having. But it is yeah. absolutely not soundproof. Right. And you see those but, questions a lot online about, well, I'm really, I really need to soundproof this, this, you know, space in this room that I'm using. And it's like, no, can't do it. Impossible. You can. Well, right. and I can, um, if, if I can, I can actually record when, um, lawn leaf blowers are happening. Wow. That's impressive. Yes. As long as it's not in my yard. Yeah. So if it's in my neighbor's yard, then it's still, it's good. It's but if it's in my away. yard, then I can't. Yeah. yeah, that's fantastic. Um, I, I have kind of almost the same situation where at one point I started hearing something and uh, I went outside, I went out, out of the booth and I realized that my neighbor across the street, they were in his front yard and I could hear that. But then they moved to the backyard and I couldn't hear it anymore. So yeah. you, you learn to know exactly where your neighbors can be before you have to stop recording. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, that's cool. So, uh, so even though there are other people in the house, you can still mm-hmm. uh, record there. How often yeah. do you record in other studios, not at home? I mean, usually it's zero. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always at home. I keep trying to get people to hire me, but they don't want me to come to them in house. Well, I, <laughs> they're I, like, they're I have, like, no, you you stay there. <laughs> I, I have to say, I think that that's becoming less and less. I, I think that percentage-wise, the amount of work that's done in in-house studios is mm-hmm. continuing to decline because the industry continues to boom. Change, right. And they're not building any new studios, and so there's only, well, only so did, many hours of the day. I did just record a book at um, Blackstone in Oregon. Oh, wow. 
But they only cast me because I told them that I was coming. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I was a little pushy. So I don't recommend that. That is not advice. Yeah. Um, they were very kind. Um, well, yeah. and my guess is that you knew the people that you were talking to. It's not like I you just did. called them up right. and said, hey, I'm going to be in your city. <laughs> Book me time in your studio. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. I wish that would work. What but would, no, yeah. that would be a little creepy. And what was the book? Um, passion and purity. But I can't. So, um, like most narrators, where you have a large body of work, mm -hmm. um, I literally cannot tell you the last book that I just finished because it leaves my short-term memory. Oh, got it. But yeah. it was an inspirational. Um, religious text, and it was written in a really down-to-earth way, and it was really fun to. To play that kind of character. Oh, that's good. That's great. And I've heard yeah. nothing but good things about Blackstone. Well, yes. <laughs> it was like, they pay people to say that, but that's not true. They're genuinely nice people. Yeah, that's that's what I've yeah. heard. I know that Jamie Matler worked there, and I believe she still works there. Uh -huh. And um, and I know a lot of other people who have dealt with them, and I hear nothing but good things. So uh, yeah. so So that's great. But mostly, it's at home. That's right. Yeah. Yep. And and that works well for you? It works great. Um, you know, with my kids, the age that they are, and my son has some uh, kind of major anxiety issues that needs me, that makes it so that I need to be kind of on call. Oh, yeah. Um, so it gives me a ton of flexibility, and I can work anytime I want, even if it's late at night, which doesn't happen very often. More often, it's for me, it's early in the morning. So um, it's been a dream. I mean, it's a dream job. That's great. And and yeah. I, I also love the flexibility um, for completely different reasons. But the flexibility of being able to work at home in this kind of um, this kind of work is is um, really great. And in those mm -hmm. situations like you just described, it's that much greater because, you know, family's everything. That's right. Yeah. So that's been really great. So you have narrated uh, how many audiobooks now? I know it's in the hundreds. Um, my last count um, was over 700 between Tanya Eby and Tatiana Sokolov. Oh, right. So, uh, so, yeah. so Tatiana, is that a uh, romance it's a pseudonym? specific yes. pseudonym? Okay. She is. She's my saucy romance erotica. Got it. Um, and I chose Tatiana because I thought she sounded exotic, <laughs> and I am not. <laughs> so Got I it. wanted to be exotic. So. But yeah, I'm over seven. I'm over seven hundred, and now, in fact, I've been narrating for so long that some of my earlier title titles are disappearing um, ah. from Audible. But it is over seven hundred. I'm really proud of that. That's great. Yeah. So yeah. when did you start? Because I can't imagine doing that number of audiobooks anytime before I die at this point. <laughs> um, so so you must have been doing this for a good ten more years. Ten or more years. Yep. Yeah. Um, I started maybe 15 years ago, and then I took time off when I um, had my kids, and then uh, um, I took maybe four or five years off, uh, and then I went back into it, and I was teaching, um, writing, and I was narrating, and um, then I finally got to the point where it made more sense just to narrate. So, But it's been a good 10 years of steady work. Yeah, no kidding. I'm uh, very grateful. Mm -hmm. Boy, even in 10 years, that's a that's a... A lot of books. Um, so, yeah, you should be proud. That's fantastic. Um, yeah. I wish I could get a medal 
or a ribbon. <laughs> Who gives out ribbons? Because I want one. <laughs> <laughs> you deserve one. Um, yeah. So since you have a pseudonym for romance and erotica, clearly that is something that you narrate. Is there any? Are there any books that have come up or genres that you've decided you won't narrate? Um, there's some political stuff that I am not the right choice for. Um, simply because I, you know, you don't want to put yourself into the text. And if I know that I can't keep that line separate, then I'm not the right choice for that piece. Yeah. I remember talking to Johnny Heller about that. And, uh, it really comes down to, uh, if you can't do it justice, then you should say no. Not even just a matter of, well, it's not so much because I don't agree with it. That might enter into it. It might not. Um, It does for me on on certain things. But uh, not just that I don't agree with it. It's just that I'm not going to be able to give you what you need. And I don't want to have that in our business relationship. Right. I want to I want to give the best performance. And if I can't, then it then as a professional, I need to tell you that. Right. But it, looking at my career, I mean, it's it, I've had incredibly diverse titles that people have trusted me with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the only thing I haven't narrated is like a Western, but mm-hmm. I don't know that there are many for women anyway. Um, That's an interesting question. And um, I think I've done one military title. But it was like a action one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's some gender specific stuff that I just haven't had the chance to do. Have you done a lot of YA? That... Oh, that's a good question. No, I haven't. Because it sounds, YA it, it is just, not my thing. What it, were you going to say? Well, it just seems to me that that your demeanor and your voice, I could I could easily hear you on a YA. So why do you say it's not your thing? I just think that. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. I think, I think most I'm cast more as a mom mm-hmm. than I am in YA. Yeah, I could certainly hear and, that too. Yeah. So, and I play, I mean, we play all ages. Sure, yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess people just don't hear me that way. And right now, I'm probably using my more natural voice, which is a higher register. But mm-hmm. a lot of times when I narrate, um, it's a little bit lower and richer. So, yeah. I don't know. But that's okay. Some people, I mean, you find the things that you connect with. For me, um, I love nonfiction. Um, I love romance. Mystery is a favorite. True crime, I've always loved. Mm. Um, I like gritty stories, but I but my voice is more warm and kind of melodic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been really enjoying women's fiction and and beach reads lately. Mm. So those are really fun. So that's, yeah, that's a lot of diverse things. And that's that's really cool that you can do that. I also know that it's not just a matter of what you do. It's sometimes a matter of what somebody else who works at a specific publisher hears you doing. And then you sort of become their go-to for that kind of thing. Right, and, which I think is another reason why it's good to have a diverse portfolio of clients. Mm-hmm. Because each client that I work for tends to see me in a slightly different way. Right. Which is one of the reasons why I get cast in so many different books. That's not all from one studio. It's from different studios who kind of see me or hear me in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that yeah. somebody was asking about, I don't even remember what the genre was. And, you know, wanted wanting to do more of it. And uh, I think it was Jeffrey Kafer who said... Something about, you know, I do this and I do it well and I've done this many books of that title and this one publisher hires me for sci-fi and something else and they've never offered me Mm -hmm. a title that's in that genre. So sometimes you just fit into a specific publisher in a a specific way 
And uh, and that I think I agree. I think that's a, a good argument in favor of trying to broaden the, the your client base as much as possible. Yeah. And for me, I don't really care as long as is they're thinking of me. So <laughs> right, think of right. me in any way that you want. If I feel a, a, a need for you, that's amazing. So yeah. I'm. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So um, so. You have worked for a bunch of different publishers, and at some mm-hmm. point, I believe it was two years ago, I could be wrong, it might have been longer, you started Blunder Woman Productions. I did, how, yeah, about did, two years ago. How did, how did that happen? Um, it happened because I had uh, a lull in my schedule, and um, I I wasn't feeling very challenged by some of the pieces I was being cast in, and I also had a lot of writing friends um, and I just, I wanted something that where it was a little more me, a little more of my creative self. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just um, decided to see if I could cast and produce something. And I did The Brink by my writer friend, Austin Bunn. And that was our first production. And it won an Audie. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So that was my first time. And then I started producing original work. And I found that it just really, um, it filled in the the gap. There's a lot of creativity that goes into interpreting text, mm-hmm. but it's not the same. It's not the same sweet spot as creating your own, and it's been really um, rewarding and empowering to create some projects that I feel passionate about, and then to cast amazing voices from our community that have uh, expressed interest. So it's been kind of a really awesome thing to have as a side gig. So walk me through what you do as Blunder Woman Productions. Uh, well, is it just you or do you have employees? I, it's just me. Okay, okay. So <laughs> It's just me that I will hire. Um, I hire uh, narrators sometimes when we're doing a full production. I, so we create full productions for companies from casting until to post. Okay, so you, you'll contract with people, but you're really mm-hmm. sort of in charge of it. So walk me through a, a project. What What happens? Um, they book me, they say, Hey, here's a book that we want you to produce and cast. And then I send out a casting call to my roster of 250 narrators. And I say, here's a book that's available. Are you interested? And I'll either post auditions or I'll go through and, um, look at their audible listings or what's on their website and cast from there. Mm -hmm. And then, um, once they're cast and approved, then they record at home and they upload files and then we do post and then we publish it. Um, so there's that, but then I also have purchased rights for books that I want to produce, um, and then produced it under Blonder Woman's umbrella. And then I've also created original work and anthologies, um, that we do. So that's great. So there's, there's, there's a bunch of different things that are, that are Mm -hmm. going on there. Mm -hmm. Seems like that would be a good fit for you. (laughs) It is. (laughs) I'm a great boss. <laughs> That's great. That's uh, it. It sounds like um, it's been rewarding, and uh, I know that, it, like you said, that you won an Audi, and um, there was also um, I'm forgetting the title now that was nominated. Nevertheless, we persisted. Thank the you. first yes. book was yeah. nominated, and um, I definitely we didn't win, but I felt like we were a crowd favorite, and we had so much support and and love for that yeah. for that piece about stories about um, about getting through the hard stuff. Yeah, um, absolutely. There, there was yeah. a lot of there was a lot of community support that I saw, and I wasn't even at yeah. the audience. But yeah, uh, but yeah, good, it was pretty awesome. Stuff. Fantastic, and and so that was uh, one of the things that you're talking about that was uh, curated anthology, right? That's right. 
Mm -hmm. where I put out a call and I had submissions literally from all over the world. I was shocked. Um, We had something like 200 submissions of essays and from India, Australia, um, the United States, from Great Britain. Um, Yeah, it was incredible. Fantastic. And clearly it came out well. Yeah. Super proud of it. Yeah. Good, good, good stuff. Uh, So another thing that you've been doing and that you've mentioned is writing. Mm -hmm. And what, what, what are you doing in terms of writing? Are you planning on writing the great American novel? Are you in the process of writing? This wouldn't surprise me. Are you in the process of writing five different books at the same time? What, what, (laughs) what, what is your writing life like? (laughs) Yes. All those things. Um, so writing actually came before performing for me. I've always wanted to write. I've always been writing. Um, and, uh, right now I'm, uh, trying to figure out the next thing. I have a few projects. They're all different. One's a post-apocalyptic, um, murder mystery. The other is a rom-com. The other is women's fiction. Um, and I'm just trying to focus and decide which one I want to put my limited time and energy, um, into, into building that novel. Yeah. Um, I, I can imagine that it really wouldn't be that, that difficult if we had, you know, 60, 80 hours in a day, but, uh, from yeah, everything that I mean, you've described, if I was I writing full time, imagine. yeah, if I, if I, if I could afford to write full time, I would certainly produce more, but, um, I just have a very limited amount of space, but I'm always working on something and I'm happier when I have that creative outlet. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I, um, I have a lot of respect for writers who can write well and um, who get a good editor so that all of the mistakes get taken out. And when I'm narrating, I don't yes. have to read them. <laughs> yes. Clearly, These as, are important things. Clearly, as a narrator, you're very aware of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and I think narration has made me a stronger writer. And writing has actually probably made me a, a stronger narrator just because um, I feel like I can get inside a text pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Just because my brain already thinks that way, I definitely have more of a writer brain than an actor brain. Mm. And um, and it makes it easier to think. How is this going to sound? Yeah, I mean, it just is like music. It just kind of uh, unrolls in front of me, and I just yeah follow it. Yeah. Well, uh, so so far we've hit writing and uh, mm-hmm. narrating and producing, and recently mm-hmm. you got into podcasting. How'd that happen? I did, because my co-writer, Serena Bowen, told me we needed to podcast. Now, wait a minute. Co-writer? She, How is she a co-writer? Yes. Well, we co-wrote a series together, the Manhand series. Um, oh, and the most I remember that title. recent book, yeah. So there was Manhands, Mancard, and Boy Toy. And Boy Toy hit the USA Today bestseller list. Fantastic. Uh, and Serena is, she's um, brilliant, um, funny, but she's also super pragmatic. Mm-hmm. And I um, am kind of crazy. <laughs> and I'm kind of floating. It's like I'm hanging onto a chandelier and she's kind of trying to pull me down. <laughs> but it's a good balance. So when she came up with this podcast idea, it totally made sense. And we talk about romance. Uh, well, not just solely romance. We talk about audiobooks that are coming out. We listen to like a 10-minute excerpt. And then we talk about it. And then we talk about what's on our minds. Is she so. local there in Michigan? She is not. She's in Vermont. So all of this is done remotely? 
Yes. I know that you were just at a some kind of a conference with her and you did something together, but I, I thought the way that you were describing it in the podcast, I thought, I don't think these guys are in the same place normally. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So, so it was fun. It was a conference. It was a signing, a polycon. And, what and that is was my first time. Um, it's like a, a romance conference for fans and um, they get to re- meet their favorite writers and have them sign books. And there were panels. We had an audiobook panel that was really great. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was my first time really attending um, something as a, a writer as opposed to a narrator. And that was really fun. Yeah, I'll bet that would be, given the fact that I know that I've seen you a couple of times now at APAC, and so yeah. clearly you've been to conferences relating to narrating, so I'm sure it was great to go to a similar event, but in with a different hat on. Um, yeah. What? Pardon my ignorance, but what's mm-hmm. what's the the meaning of the Apolly in Apollycon? I don't get the name of the conference. Um, I don't remember. Someone told me. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, good. It's, it's yeah, not there's just some me then. <laughs> no, I don't know. All right. That's fine. Um, so, uh, so you and Serena put this podcast together. I, I have to say, mm-hmm. one of the reasons that I love your podcast is because you do include a very long excerpt. Um, yes. And I love the Audiophile Magazine podcast for exactly the opposite reason. They provide, yeah. uh, behind, on, in the Behind the Mic podcast, they right. provide a really, really short excerpt. So it's like you get a flavor of the voice and you get a, a tiny bit of the story and then they talk about why it is they think it's good. And I think that's great. It, this five-minute podcast, you can listen to it quickly and it's over mm-hmm. and you can move on to something else. Mm-hmm. I love your podcast for exactly the opposite reason because I find that there are times when I want to listen to something to get a real feel for mm-hmm. what is what is this narrator going to be doing. As a narrator, I'm listening to it and I'm thinking – I want to take something away from somebody else's performance. I want to see how it is that they are building character or how it is that they are keeping things even keel or how it is that they're inflecting things on the technical side or how it is that they're infusing it with emotion. And if you listen to a 30-second clip, you just really don't get that very often. Yeah. And so you I get, love the you long get the excerpt. Com- Thank you. I mean, you. I mean, they both have their uses, right? Yep, Sometimes absolutely. you do just want the commercial, but for our podcast, we want people to kind of settle in with the story and the storyteller. Mm-hmm. And it does. It gives you a really great sense of long form narration and how the pacing is different than any other art form. Yeah, absolutely. So um, that's been fun for us. It's something that a lot of places don't offer. So that's been fun for us to kind of explore that. And then really we talk about story elements, but we also talk about narration and then, you know, whatever else crosses our minds. Yeah, no, it's it's fun listening to you guys. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I love the long excerpt and then hearing your conversation is always fun too. Yeah. <laughs> so h- how is it going? How's the podcasting going? Are you uh, you guys enjoying that? We love it. I mean, it's just a nice little break every week. It, you know, doesn't take us very long. We listen to the excerpt and then, so it takes us probably a half hour total once a week. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we get to catch up with each other, which is really nice. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's going great. Since you had the pre-existing relationship, that's nice, yeah. Yeah. So um, that's coming out, um, that's coming out soon. I mean, of course, we we have it weekly, but we have some great books coming up that we're excited about. 
And I like so. the fact that you've done um, several different genres at this point, and mm-hmm. I, I'm looking forward to even more um, because when it first started, I thought this is going to be just about romance. Now, I don't know why I had that in my head. I mean, I, I do associate you with romance, but sure. but I know that you've done other stuff as well. And maybe it was because um, Serena was also a romance writer. I, I don't remember, but I had it in my head that it was just going to be romance. And I was sure. I was still interested mm-hmm. e- even thinking that because I'm very interested in doing more on the romance side. But when you started having um, different types of books, I thought, oh, this is great. And um, and also not just male or female, sometimes a duel or sometimes one of a duel or whatever it mm-hmm. is. So I, I like the fact that you guys are, are venturing into different genres. Thank you. You're trying to get people on their toes and also just to be open um, to different genres. Mm-hmm. Uh, because a great story is a great story. And almost every story has elements of romance in it. Mm-hmm. It may not be your typical romance, but it there you know connection human connection is like the most important thing. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I I am happy to read a good science fiction story and I'm happy to read a good well, I haven't actually read any romance other than the work that I've done for as a narrator, mm-hmm. but I'm happy to read any story in any genre. What makes it a good story is not that it's science fiction, it's that it's a good story. Right. And and it just happens to be set in a science fiction world or in a rom-com kind of setting or whatever it is. It's that that whole human connection thing. I couldn't agree more. So, awesome. uh, so what do you do when you are not narrating? Um, I sleep. Um. <laughs> I'm surprised you have any time for that. I should say, actually, let me re- reframe that. So what do you do yeah. when you're not narrating, writing, producing, or podcasting? Right. So I take walks. Oh. I um, have paint by numbers that I love to do. Cool. Um, I try to do the coloring, the coloring books as a stress reliever. Mm-hmm. But I actually got more stressed out because they're very intricate. And then I would choose colors and I was like, I'm choosing wrong. Like I'm making all the wrong choices. Yeah. But paint by numbers, all the choices are made for you. <laughs> so it's all there. And I can put on like today I was watching the Oroville and then I was doing my paint by number bird set. And um, it was lovely. That's fantastic. So I do that. And then I bake um, or I cook. I like to do that. Oh, right. And That's the other thing. I almost forgot about that. I'm so glad yeah. you reminded me. So what's, what about the baking video thing? Oh, that's another little thing that I'm doing. I just I just like to do different things. And so um, right now I'm doing a YouTube series called Tanya Makes. And um, today I filmed one with my daughter, Simone, and we're making Myrmicorn Bark, which is mermaid unicorn chocolate candy. It's <laughs> a um, great name for it. <laughs> Mermicorn. Um, yeah, so it's just this fun little thing that I'm trying out, and I'll do it until I get bored of it. <laughs> yeah. That's great. So it's, and it's still connected because uh, most of the recipes that I'm trying are inspired by something I've narrated or read or um, that's sparked by uh, storytelling. Yeah, it seems to me that the first one that you did was based on something that was in like a cozy mystery kind of thing. Maybe I'm misremembering, but uh, it seems to me that there was some kind of connection to something that you had narrated. And I thought, yeah. that is so cool. I've actually thought about doing that um, here in the speakeasy and doing like mm-hmm. little short videos every once in a while of mixing a specific cocktail or whatever it is that I'm I'm drinking that night. I just haven't gotten around to doing it. So I might, oh, yeah. I might come Twitter. to you at some point with looking for tips. 
Well, on Twitter, there was um, I had an exchange with the Audiophile Magazine people where we were doing book and liquor pairings. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, like, what do you drink when you're reading a mystery? And what do you drink when, you know, it's a spy novel? And, right. Um, so that was fun. Yeah. Yeah, I, you can do lots of that. <laughs> I, would, I would enjoy that. Um, so uh, I, I think about that sometimes because of something that happened last year. I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan, and I, uh, I, I used to read it every year between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And so, you know, I got to know the story real well, but I always enjoyed it. So uh, this last year, I did that for the first time in like 20 years, and I had a bottle of Macallan 10-year-old on hand. And mm-hmm. I, I poured some, and I started drinking it. And it was just like the perfect whiskey to be drinking for what I was reading. I can't really explain it any more That's than cool. that. That's cool. It was just perfect. I was like in another world because I had yeah. this drink reading this story. So yeah. uh, I, I would love that, a, a liquor pairing with stories. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so what words of wisdom would you share with aspiring narrators out there or producers or writers or uh or bakers who are going to be doing YouTube videos. There's so many avenues here, Tanya. <laughs> I don't I don't know what to offer in general as advice. Um, I think there's a lot to be said for um, being professional and kind and doing things that you love. Um, as far as breaking into the business, narration is difficult right now because it's getting more and more competitive. Mm-hmm. So um, you have to be dedicated, but you also have to be a business person. So it's more than just the creative. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Is any of that helpful? I don't know. I, I like, think Is that... there a specific question that you would need? Like... No, I, just... You know, from your experience of doing so many books and and you have made relationships with all kinds of different publishers and rights holders and authors and and everybody else. Uh, so from that experience, what have you found valuable? I think that mm, what you just I have said... one. I thought I did think of something, though. OK, good. Um, one thing that really helped me with narration and meeting people, um, I'm uh, I'm really good like one on one. But in a crowd of people, I just, I get a little overwhelmed. Um, And so I started volunteering. I started joining committees Mm -hmm. and it gave me a task and it made me part of a group. And so I met people that way. And then when I was at an event, I had a task to do. So that was um, an easy way to meet more people. Uh. And then I've built on that over the years by joining different committees. And um, it's been really uh, satisfying, but also a great way to meet people. And you're meeting them in it. When you talk about networking, it's not just giving a pitch about yourself. It's about um, getting someone to trust you, building a relationship of trust mm-hmm. where they're going to be able to trust you with a 12 hour book and know that, you know, you're going to uh, give what you give your best performance. Sure. Yeah. So absolutely. that is a piece of advice. I would say volunteer for things. I think that's great advice. Uh, in fact, I was going to last year at APAC, I was going to go talk to um, Michelle about something mm-hmm. and and I didn't. And then that ended up being okay because of other things that happened. Um, but I definitely want to get more involved with uh, the APA. Great organization. I've met lots of great people there. And I know a lot of people who have volunteered and mm-hmm. who are doing, um, you know, great things with them. And so I, I do think that's that's great advice. And I have to say, just the point about being professional and the fact that you're running a business, uh, 
that that always bears repeating. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I see things online and and people saying, "Well, I I just started, and uh, how how am I going to get more work?" And it's like, well, you know, it's a relationship business, and what you need to do is be a professional business person. And uh, right, it's hard, I also yeah, and I also see a lot of posts sometimes that are very emotional, which is fine. I mean, I'm a very emotional person, but it can be negative where they start, you know, either bashing a genre or putting down writers of a different kind, a certain kind of book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that that serves anyone. It certainly doesn't serve the industry. Yep. So um, have have a, clo- a few close friends that you can talk with privately. But anytime you're online, I would uh, support the industry that you're in um, the, because these stories are important to people. And they may not be your stories or they may not mean anything to you, but you better believe they mean something to someone else. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, honor that. Yep. I, Rawr. I, I, no, I hear that. And, uh, <laughs> I know that Johnny Heller has, uh, has mentioned that as have many of us when people start bashing a specific rights holder or making fun of specific text in a public forum, mm-hmm. or, you know, private mm-hmm. forum, but with a lot of members, uh, not usually a good idea. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Might cause you problems down the road in one way or another, even if you're not aware of it. So, uh, yeah. so what's on the what's what's up next for you? I'm gonna peek back at my calendar, which is on the wall. Oh, I have. Um, I'm narrating this week Susan Mallory's um, of Sunshine and Margot for Harper Collins. Nice. Um, and then I have Devil's Night. Um, that's an erotica piece. Tatiana's narrating that. Um, I just did my cooking video. I have my The Story Bites podcast coming up um, and working on a, a book right now. So I have a lot of different things happening. Sounds like it. I'm not surprised yeah. to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tanya, this has been great. Thank you so much for coming in. Where can people find you if they want to find you online? Um, you can find me uh, on Twitter at blunder underscore woman. You can find me at www.tanyaeb.com, at blunderwomanproductions.com, thestorybitespodcast.com, and I'm on Facebook. So basically, if you just type my name into any social media, you um, will show up. I'll I'll pop up. So unless you, it's something new so that you, millennials you, know, right? You, you just reminded me with that Twitter handle. So how did you come up with Blunder Woman as the name for your company? <laughs> so it started because that was my first book that was published, um, not self-published by, but published by Champagne Books, Blunder Woman, um, and it's just kind of become um, who, uh, like I used to be afraid of being awkward, but now I'm just like. You know, I am awkward. I make mistakes. I'm kind of frazzled. I'm kind of a mess, but somehow I pull it all together and <laughs> and I, you know, I keep going and succeed. So, um that's kind of what Blunder Woman means to me. Embrace the awkwardness. Yes. That's great. <laughs> I love that. If uh, if only those of us who are awkward or a little socially inept sometimes or anything like that and I certainly relate to some of that. Uh, If only we could embrace that more easily, wouldn't the world be a better place? It would be. (laughs) Well, that's great. Tanya, thank you so much for coming in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I had a great time. I hope the the water did you well after a night uh, or after an afternoon, evening, whatever it was, of wine tasting. Yes, much needed.
good choice for you. I will say that the uh, cake martini is good. I will not say that it's great. I will probably keep working on it, and I will let you know if I come up with a a great recipe that you can share with your friends. Cool. All right. Thanks, Tanya. <laughs> Bye. Well, that's it for tonight. Many thanks to Tanya Eby for coming in. We had a hell of a time getting our schedules to match and the weather to cooperate, but I'm glad it finally worked out. I really enjoyed hearing about the dozen or so different directions that Tanya's going, and I hope you did too. As always, you can find the audiobook speakeasy on iTunes, Stitcher, and Podbean, and all the apps that pull from iTunes. And you can find me at richvoiceproductions.com, where I've got some samples and links to audiobooks I've narrated, and where I'm also posting episodes of the audiobook speakeasy. If you're enjoying our speakeasy chats, please leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you're not enjoying them, please find a podcast you do enjoy and leave them a review. If you think this show is educational, entertaining, or valuable simply because it gives you an excuse to sit down and enjoy a cocktail in an otherwise hectic day, I'd really appreciate it if you'd add a buck or two to the tip jar. You can make a per-episode donation by signing up at patreon.com slash audiobookspeakeasy, or you can make a one-time donation by visiting paypal.me slash audiobookspeakeasy. Any financial support is greatly appreciated, as it helps me keep the lights on here in the speakeasy. Special thanks this week to my latest patrons over on Patreon, Sarah Nessel and Byron Wagner. Sarah and Byron, thank you so much for your support of the podcast. It really does help. Until we see you here in the speakeasy again, I hope you can find some time to enjoy an audiobook. Cheers! Cheers! <laughs>